Maybe just to explain the format of what we're going to do today. Today we are really going to go on a, on a journey uh, together. We're going to hear from various different people um, as we do that. And uh, I just want to set that us up for today. So as we, as we do this, we're going we're to have moments of singing together, moments of Luke leading us in a message, uh, moments of reflection in between that as well, and just really go on a journey. And what we want to do is just remember that this weekend uh, is a journey. It's a journey for many of us, and it might be for you as well. We looked on Friday at the, at the weight of, of, of the cross on Friday, and, and we've moved through the weekend into the, the wonder of today. But we also don't want to just miss out on, on that moment, on that journey. And so for some of you here today, you, you, you may be on that journey. You may, you may not even believe in Christ, and, and, and that's fine. But I, I want to ask you that today just to, just to stop and pause and to, re, and to reflect on this. And as we, as we look at Scripture today, we're going to see that some of the, the early people around Christ at this time, they were even skeptics as well. But it was this very weekend, this very moment that was what was life-changing for them completely changed the trajectory of their lives on Friday Jesus was crucified and the disciples and the other followers they just imagine all their hopes their, their Messiah they didn't know he, he was gone he was dead there was injustice that happened they spent the whole of Saturday just in, in hiding and in worry and in fear what is going to happen how did you spend your Saturday how did we it's often referred to as Silent Saturday. But actually, it wasn't silent. What was happening in that tomb was that Jesus was, 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 was conquering death. He was preparing for Sunday. He was preparing for this day when he rose victorious over death. Can I ask you to stand this morning? We're going we're gonna to sing a little bit and then we're going to hear some scriptures. Um, and carry on and I just want to lead us in a prayer this morning as we do that why don't you close your eyes with me this morning why don't you just take a moment to, to situate yourself wherever your journey is with Christ Take a deep breath this morning. Just still your heart. Know that, that God is working, that Jesus has conquered death, that He has risen, that He is working in our lives, that we get to submit, we get to bring our lives before the cross, and we get to walk in a freedom this morning. you breathe in the weight of Friday and breathe out the freedom of Sunday. Jesus, we are so grateful this morning for what you have done. For this moment that we get as the sun rose this morning, as it did so many years ago, rose in victorious, that, the, that was about to be discovered Jesus, that you are alive, that you are with us. Jesus, go on a journey with us this morning, we ask. Thank you that you, you meet us where we are at.
get to reflect on that this morning. Thanks, Lauren.
going to remain in this place and just remain standing. We're just going to read some scripture, then we're going to carry on singing after that. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. While the cloth had covered Jesus' head was folded up, and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple whom had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one set sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said, she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't ascended to the Father, but go and find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your, your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. See the stone is rolled away Behold the empty tomb Hallelujah God be praised He's risen from the grave
ask that today as we look at your word, as we sing through, through the truth of the scriptures and, the, and the, in wonder at what happened this day all those years ago, we ask Holy Spirit that you would speak to us, God, every single one of us from the youngest of children here to the oldest of not children here. Would you speak to us, we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. I will not do that again. So feel free to grab a seat. There's going to be, if you've got bad knees, I apologize in advance. It's going to be a lot of up, down, up, down, up, down. Maybe you want to just quit and stay down if you've, if you've got a bit of a knee issue or something. I totally understand. If I've never met you, my name is Luke, and it's a privilege to share with you. It's a privilege to share a message with you. As Mike said, it's going to be a bit of a different format. We'll do five or so minutes, and then we're going to sing and reflect a little bit. I'm trusting that God would speak to you, even through the verses of the songs as we sing and as we reflect together, that um, God would speak to you uh, in that place as well. So a bit of a different format. Let's start off with this. Kids, don't answer out loud, but I want you to think about it, kids. At times, I'm going to speak to you guys in particular, the kids, and at times, I'm going to speak to you guys in particular, the not-so-kids, okay? And, uh, and uh, we're all going to hopefully uh, find something that sticks for us. Don't, don't answer out loud, but I want you to think here, kids, whose idea was the resurrection? Just, just give a thought. Wh- whose idea was the resurrection? I mean, did the church create the resurrection, or did God create the resurrection? I want to say my first point today is the resurrection was God's idea, not the church's. Imagine with me, kids, it's dark, it's cold, it's like five o'clock in the morning. Was anyone up at five o'clock this morning? I was awake at five o'clock this morning. It was pitch dark, it was cold outside. Now I want you to imagine with me, you were Mary Magdalene, as she got up in the cold, dark aloneness, while everyone else was still in her bed, and she went for a walk down a dark path to a burial ground, looking for a tomb. In particular, looking for Jesus' tomb. And she expects to find a great big stone, great big like this, a big rock, blocking the entrance to the tomb. It's there to keep the animals out and to keep the stink in, right? That's what she's going looking for. And when she arrives at this tomb, the stone protecting the tomb has been rolled away. Think about it for a second. How do you think she felt? Let's read. As Darlington read to us earlier, so she ran and she went to Simon Peter, the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. What did Mary think when she arrived at an empty tomb? I want you to see what she didn't do, firstly. She didn't see the stone rolled away and shout, yippee, Jesus is alive. I just knew that he was going to come back to life. I just knew that he was going to defeat death and the devil and all of that stuff. Yay! It's exactly the opposite of what happened. You see, back then in those days, when people died in Jesus' time, they tended to stay dead, right? She was devastated. And she thought when she, when she saw that the stone rolled away and she saw that the body was gone, she thought the obvious thing had happened. That grave robbers, grave robbers' kids are worse than pirates, right? Grave robbers had come and they had stolen everything, which used to happen a lot in those days. And so she runs to tell the disciples, not that Jesus is alive, death has been defeated, yay! She runs to tell the disciples, Jesus is dead. Not only that, they've taken away his body. 
and we don't know where he is. And then verse 6 we read, And Peter came following him, and he went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. And then the other disciple, you remember the one who Jesus loved? Now the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, just in case you forgot, uh, also went in, and he saw and he believed. Now what did he believe? Did he believe that Jesus was alive? No, that's not what he believed. He believed that the body had been taken away. That someone had stolen Jesus' body. He believed the logical thing that everybody thought that must have happened. Verse 9, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. I want you to see this first thing this morning is that nobody saw. Just wait for the biker run. Nobody saw the resurrection of Jesus coming. It surprised everybody. Many people think Christians are people who just decide to believe at some point in their life. And you decide that it's true. And then you have to spend the rest of your life going to come books and buying books and convincing yourself that it's true, right? And you, you kind of white knuckle it through life. There's a notion that, that, that if you're a Christian, you have to stop being a thinking person. But, but I want you to see that's not what we see in the first Easter story. These, these were people who, who, who saw the body removed. They didn't jump to some uh, wonderful conclusion. They assumed what was logical and reasonable, and they began investigating as thinking people what, what had happened here. The first Christians came to faith through wrestling and furiously thinking. They, they were trying to work out what had happened. Christianity does not rest on an inference from an empty tomb. There were many other conclusions that could have been drawn from the empty tomb, the last of which was a successful resurrection. These first followers went on a journey when they saw the empty tomb. They investigated, they wrestled with the evidence. And, and it was in this place of wrestling for what nobody understood that they discovered the wonder of the resurrection. Let's stand together and let's sing together. But I want you as you sing, I want you, I'm trusting that each of us would find one or two lines as we sing that would kind of stand out to you. And I, at the end of the singing, I'm going to give you a moment just to reflect. And then we'll go back into our passage and we'll start to look at it together. So let's stand together if, if, if you're, you're able. And, um, and let's trust that God would speak to us as we reflect on these lyrics.
one thing. What's that one thing from the song that speaks to you? pray, Lord, that today as we continue our journey, that, that you would unsettle for some of us our unbelief, that you would undermine our skepticism, and much like those original followers, Lord, that you'd lead us on a journey toward discovery, not leaving our brains behind, but causing us to engage, to lean in, and to discover as well. Okay, let's take our seats back into our story. Thanks so much to the band. So the first thing we see is that the resurrection catches everybody by surprise, that no one came in there with some preconceived ideas about what was going to happen. We'll see just now there were some clues, but, but everybody missed the clues. Everybody doubted, but they, 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 they lent in. They didn't doubt and then withdraw they, they they engaged and they they investigated and that was the place of discovery my next point is this jesus is more amazing than anybody imagined jesus is more amazing than everybody imagined verse 11 now mary stood outside the tomb crying and as she wept she bent over to look into the tomb verse 14 and at this, she turned around and she, sh she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus, thinking that he was the gardener. You just got to stop for a second and look at the realness of this account. Maybe Jesus' face was hidden. Maybe she had tears in her eyes. Maybe Jesus was tired and he was leaning on a rake. I don't know. She said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. No one figured it out. Jesus left some clues there. Can you, can you remember any of the clues? I mean, the first thing we see there, the grave clothes are folded. The head covering was folded and put in a different place. Now, if you were a grave robber, that's not the kind of thing you would have done, right? You don't slow down and fold everything while you're stealing some things from somebody's tomb, right? That's not what you do. It's weird. They would have no reason to do that. The, another big clue was there was a great big angel sitting in the tomb as well, but, but still, no one figured it out. Jesus is right there and nobody could see him. Nobody could recognize Jesus. Do you know why? Because they were all looking for a Jesus who was too small. Might be better. They were all looking for a Jesus who was too small. They were looking for a Jesus who was lifeless. They were looking for a Jesus who was stiff, who was smelly. They were looking for a Jesus who was dead. And it had not even occurred to, him, to them that Jesus could have been alive. As much as they investigated, as much as they, they, they applied their minds, it wasn't enough. Jesus still needed to open their eyes to see the truth. Because they were looking for a Jesus who was far too small for their categories. We live in a world that is trying to shrink Jesus all the time. Much of our skepticism isn't even rooted in logic and reason. Often it's in our experiences of life. Someone that you didn't like maybe was a Christian and they put you off Christ. Maybe you had a bad experience in church and so you dialed back from Christ. Maybe you experienced the disappointment of prayers unanswered. Something in your life didn't work out the way that you wanted it to. It's exactly what happened in the life of Mary and these disciples. It was something that they were hoping for. This, this, this Messiah was going to be their ticket to a new life. And then he was crucified and his body was taken. They, 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 were, they were put in a place where they had to grapple with disappointment. 
And what happens is when this happens in life, our view of Jesus shrinks. And eventually we can no longer see Jesus for who he really is because although Jesus is right in front of Mary, her category for who he was is too small. She can't recognize him uh, for who he really is. She she didn't have a category for a risen, all-powerful God. She could only see within her small worldview, and to, to, to her, he looked like a gardener. If I can take a second to speak to Christians, I wonder if that's been your experience. I wonder if Jesus has been shrunk in your mind. And, and, and the categories by which you understand Christ and you think of him has been shrunk right down. Jesus has been shrunk. Maybe you experienced disappointment. Maybe it's just that our world is becoming increasingly more hostile to Christ, at times aggressively so. And you've allowed the pressure that our culture puts on us to, to shrink Jesus and who he is to you in your life. Maybe in a, in a different way, you've kind of settled for a life of leisure and career and suburban family with a little bit of Jesus on the side to squeeze into your already full life. You know, Jesus in moderation. He's there, but a little bit like a gardener, not as the king omnipotent in the universe. So look what Jesus does, verse 15. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. On the first Easter, Jesus reveals himself to Mary Magdalene, probably one of the most unlikely people in the world, if you know something of her story. But he reveals himself to her. It's not that she just discovers him. He was right there. She couldn't see him. Jesus had to open her eyes, had to lead her to the truth to discover who he was. But he does it so personally, and he does it so tenderly. He says to a woman, why are you crying? And then he, and then he says, why? One word. Did you pick it up? One word. He says, Mary. He says her name, but he says her name in such a way that she knows that it's him. When, when, you, when you know someone and they know you and, and you love them and they love you and they say your name with almost an, with, with a certain, I don't know, it, it's nuanced. It's, it's unique. It's something personal. And the way Jesus says her name, Mary, she knows it's him. She instantly knows. And it's in that place that I want us to see, yes, we think, yes, we reason, yes, we lean in and we investigate, but ultimately we need Christ to reveal himself to us. And he does, and he does it tenderly and he does it graciously. Even when we get it wrong, even when we shrink him down, even when, we're, even when we think of him as a gardener and we miss him, Christ says our name. Christ opens our eyes in spite of us. He leads us to discover who he really is. Let's stand together and let's sing our next song. We're going to sing King of Kings. Without hope and without love 
Father, we, we want to take a second just to acknowledge where we've shrunk you, Christ. From King of Kings to in that garden, just the gardener. A little bit on the side in our already full lives. A box that we tick in a census. Just the side order. All these other important things in our life. Christ, we come before you. And we just realize that so often we're like Mary. We've shrunk you. And, and this Easter we choose to remember that you are the King of Kings. The omnipotent, all-powerful creator God of the universe. Who became a human being to defeat death and sin and lead us into new life, God. I pray that you would give us fresh categories to see you for who you really are, Jesus, the King of Kings. Amen. Let's grab a seat. Kids, I saw too many kids going, oh, my knees are sore. You're not allowed to have sore knees if you're young. Okay, so let's continue our jersey here. Our jersey, our journey, sorry. Jeez. Let's look at something else that Jesus says to Mary. And I want to, here's the point I want to make. Let me put it up on the front end. The resurrection, Easter, if you will, gives us a new identity. Look at something Jesus says in verse 17. Jesus says to Mary, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Here is the essence of Christianity. This is the essence of Christianity. It's the essence of Easter. It's the result of the resurrection. I'll read it again. Jesus said, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, everything changes. The first thing that we see that changes for Mary is that she receives a brand new identity. Keyword there, receives, second keyword, identity. She receives a new identity as a child of God, welcomed in the family of the Father. Guys, if you're between somewhere between 11 and 111, Lean in here. We live in a world who has lost a sense of community identity. Everything in our modern day and age has become about you as an individual. Following your dreams, what's in your heart. Be true to yourself. We, we live in a world where a community identity has been dissolved and in its place we are we are told to create an identity, to find it within ourselves. And we create this identity that we then look into our world to find affirmation in the crowd. And there's pressure on you to be special, to stand out, to be someone. Pressure to get likes, to be unique, to find followers, to get hits, to turn heads, to win, to be successful, to live a life that is envious of other people so that they will gush at you and say, wow, you're amazing. We create an identity of, within ourselves, we project it to the world, and we look to the world to affirm us. 
And when we do that, hopefully they will like us. Hopefully, hopefully they will follow us. Hopefully they will look at you and say, wow, and they will affirm you. And in affirming you, they will justify your created identity and they will validate who you really are. But if people don't affirm your identity, there is incredible hostility and nastiness to the point of even canceling people as human beings. We live in this world of individually created identities Profoundly insecure with a lot of pressure to perform and constant sense of anxiety that we're really not enough. And, and I'll put to you today, that's exactly what happens when we live in a world where we to create an identity ourselves and then find others who will affirm it and will legitimize it for us. And it's exactly the opposite of what we see taking place on the first Easter. In this situation, Mary doesn't create an identity for herself that she then looks to others to validate her, her, her identity. No, no. Jesus bestows upon her an identity. It's an identity that she receives. It's not one that she earns. It's not one that she creates herself. It's one that comes to her from her community and from her, 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 her God. It's an outside source of identity that comes to her. She's, she receives an identity from outside of herself, one that it has already been validated. Jesus said to her, my father and your father, to my God and your God. He's saying to her, you belong regardless of whether you succeed or whether you fail, of whether you get likes or you get followers or you don't. You belong if you mess up and if you don't. You belong not because of what you have done, but you belong because of what I have done on your behalf and you, have, you will always be welcome in the family of God. And so it's no more yo-yo, up and down, am I in or am I out? Do I belong, do I not? No more sense of this anxious living. It's you always belong in the family of God. And you don't need others to affirm it, to validate it or not, because Christ already has. And therefore, when other people don't respect what you believe and don't respect your identity, you don't need to dismiss and affirm and, I mean, and, 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 and cancel and be nasty because, because you already validated in Christ and what He's done for you. You're free to treat others as human beings even if they don't treat you the same way. The resurrection changes everything. For Mary, it redefined her identity. You are now a child of God in spite of what you've done. If you know who Mary Magdalene was, you'll understand what I'm talking about. In spite of who she's been, in spite of what she's done, you are a child of God because of what Christ has done and no one can take that away from you. And, and in, in that moment for Mary, her despair becomes elation. Her hopelessness becomes hope. Because Christ has redefined her identity. The resurrection through what Jesus did on Friday and Sunday and what that means for you and I, it, it, it impacts your life at an identity level. What is your primary source of identity? Do you define yourself by your own efforts and your own achievements? Perhaps your own failures and your mistakes? This passage is full of people who are failing and making mistakes. But this line in this passage we read here, a child of God, irrevocably so, 
because of the work of Christ. Jesus came and did it on your behalf. And now he, he invites you in to this eternal identity, belonging in the family of God. Loved by the Father, secure in who you are, and always welcome in the family of God. What we're going to do now is we're going to go to the communion table. I love that at the heart of the Christian faith is this meal that we call communion, the Eucharist, there are many names for it. But it's a meal, it's an invitation to, to be with a family. To, it's, it's not, this is not take out on your own, it's not a TV dinner. This is an invitation to belong, to be part of a family whereby you're welcomed in and you get to partake. And Jesus' uh, Jesus's body symbolized in the bread. Jesus' uh, blood and his life poured out symbolized in the wine, which we take into ourselves. We're taking into ourselves Christ himself as he comes and he, he galvanizes us from within with this new identity. And so I'd love for us to come to the table with a sense of which we're affirming our identity in Christ as a child of God, irrevocably so, not because of who you are, not because of your morality, not because of your success, not excluded because of your immorality, not excluded because of your failure, but because of Christ's victory over Easter. And so moms and dads, if you want to lead your kids to the table as well, we're going to create a bit of space to take some time. And, uh, and when we've all got and we've all gone back to our seats, the band's going to lead us in a song of reflection that I think speaks powerfully to this communion moment. But let's hold in our heads this question. What is my primary source of identity? What does it mean to not look into myself to discover that, but to find that in the work and finished work of Jesus? Let's come to the table.
free just to, to pray, to take communion as you like. I'll lead us in a prayer. Father, thank you so much. Thank you, Christ. Thank you, Spirit. That, 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 that on Easter you redefined our identity. That Christ, your Father, became our Father, became my Father. That your God became my God. In spite of who I am, in spite of what I've done, all because of who you are and all because of what you have done. And so as we eat of this nice chunk of bread, some of us, our actual grapes, we remember Jesus, who we are because of who you are and what you have done. And in a world that would cause us to center around ourselves, in a sense we forsake ourselves and we embrace you, Christ, just as Mary did that day. We're gonna sing a song, feel free to pray, pray with your friends, pray with your family, pray on your own. Sing if you like, allow the song to minister to you. I 
point very brief one as we work through this journey of this passage the, the last point is this the resurrection sends us out with good news the resurrection sends us out with good news verse 16 and 17 Jesus said to her Mary she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic Rabboni which means teacher and Jesus said do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the father go instead to my brothers and tell them Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me, go instead to my brothers and tell them. I mean, it's been an amazing day for Mary. You can understand her whole world has gone from right down in the depths of despair to the elation of life and rediscovering her Savior, Christ. And, um, and obviously in seeing Jesus, everything in her heart just grabs onto him. She does not want to let him go. It's like she says, now that I've got you back, no one's ever going to take you away from me, right? I'm never going to go anywhere else. I mean, you can understand it. It's, quite, it's beautiful. I'm going to stay here with you, Jesus, forever. We can forgive her for losing sight of the rest of the world. <laughs> but look at what Jesus does. Jesus instead says to her, Go instead to those who don't know that I'm alive and tell them the good news of what's taken place. Go and tell others. Friends, you and I face the same temptation. We face the same temptation to make our Christian faith all about ourselves, to make it just about me and Jesus. And when we do that, you very quickly discover that it's not so much just about you and Jesus. It very much begins to center around just me. Instead, Jesus sends her out. Je Jesus sends her out in, in spite of her preferences, in spite of her own agenda, in spite of what she wanted to do maybe with just her and Jesus. You're, it's as if Jesus says, your faith is personal, Mary. Obviously, the way she, he spoke her name, she understood him. But it's not just private. It's not just, it's, our Christian faith is never just me and Jesus. Jesus sends her out into the world and he gives her a mission to proclaim Christ, who he is and what he's done. And I, and I want to put to you today the same thing to you, Christ follower, that, that, that Jesus' Easter, his death and resurrection, they, give, they redefine your purpose in life. He gives us a new identity, child of God. But then he gives us, along with this, identity a purpose and that purpose is to fill the world with the message life and goodness of Christ and all of us are swept up in that message and there is a temptation that you and our faith face in our faith 
It's to make it about me and Jesus and to, to, to confine your Christianity to, to this little bubble of just you and Christ. And it's exactly the same thing that Mary experienced on that day. And Jesus pops her bubble and he says, no, we, it, we, we can't just put up a tent and start a little community of two here. Go and tell others. And Jesus sweeps her up in his mission. You see, because Christ came at Easter to fill the world with his goodness. Jesus, as we saw a few weeks ago in church, is like a never-stopping river overflowing and gushing to fill our world with his goodness. He is full and he is overflowing, and so he created the world. And on the cross, he came and he poured out his life to fill the world. And now he invites us as Christ followers, like he did Mary all those years, to join him in his mission to put this world to right. And so Christ follower, I wanna challenge you today as we go out into our worlds. The temptation that Mary faced, you will face too. To make it about me and Jesus, to make your faith a personal matter, a private matter. And Jesus says to Mary, no, not only have I redefined your identity, but I was, have also redefined your purpose. Now come and join me as I fill this world, as I write injustice, as I share a message of upside down, a king who would die for his followers to bring new life to them. Come and recenter your life around Christ and join him in his mission this Easter. Can we stand together as we sing our last song? Before we do, I'm gonna invite us to just prayerfully reflect a little bit and then I'll hand over to the band. Just, let's just stop by each of, the, each of these points as we go. First point, the resurrection was God's idea, not the church's. That actually everybody starts out as a skeptic. And that if you're a skeptic looking into Christianity, it's a good place to be in. As long as in your skepticism you lean in rather than disengage and lean out. Because that's where you discover the, tr the truth. This message is just too good to not explore. The hope of a new life and the hope of a new world, everlasting life, something you could never achieve and attain for yourself, yet given to us by God Himself. Makes sense because it's the only way that we could have it. If that's you, I'd love to pray for you. Father, for the skeptics among us today, the doubters, pray that you would give them courage and reason sufficient to lean in and investigate all the more. And that as they do, they would discover like Mary, you reveal yourself to them. If you're leaning in, well, you know, you're, you're leaning into the most exciting adventure of your life. And there is elation on the other side of Christ revealing himself to you. But keep pushing in. To those of us perhaps today, maybe Christ followers who have shrunk Jesus, a little side order, a little bit of vegetables, Jesus from the main event of our lives. I'm sorry for all the vegetarians. I realize I got that wrong. You've shrunk Jesus. Jesus has been reduced in your life, in your, in your calendar, 
in your devotion, in your love, just in your love. It's a lot of other stuff and a little bit of Jesus. He's not there with you every moment of every day. He's a bit like a gardener. He's there, but he's not the all-powerful king of the universe. And you, you recognize that today and you say, yeah, that's me. I'm so sorry, God. This is an opportunity to recenter your life around Christ. those of us today who this is an identity issue you've been you, you, your primary identity has been looking into yourself and today you're saying I'm, I'm wanting to forsake that in a sense and to grab a hold lay a hold of an identity that I receive from Christ I am a child of God irrevocably so because of the finished work of Jesus and to the core of my being that will shape my life Christ would you come and establish my identity in you? Make that your prayer. And finally, you'll discover if you make that your prayer. You, that doesn't mean you disengage from your world. You don't become this aloof, distant, forgotten person. But you re-engage with the world with a purpose that centers around mission. Christ follower, have you lost a sense of mission for your life? Christ, would you restore my sense of mission and purpose this Easter? Make that your prayer. Jesus, I want to join you in this great work that you are doing in putting this world, this South Peninsula, Fishhook, Nurtuk, Masi, Ocean View, Capri, Komiki, and everywhere in between. God, I want to join you in your mission to put this world to right. Would you use me, Jesus? I'm in. I'm in. I'm freshly enlisting. Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, a solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving ceases. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in heaven, pain, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones He came to save, till on that cross. Where Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on Him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I lay. There in the ground, His body lay. Light of the world by dark 
with me if you will on those opening lyrics of in Christ alone my hope is found he is my light my strength my song this cornerstone this solid ground firm through the fiercest drought and storm what heights of love what depths of peace when fears are stilled when strivings cease my comforter my all in all here in the love of Christ I stand. Isn't that an incredible truth to stand this morning? And we all long for that depth of peace, to have our fears stilled. Incredible, actually, if we think back and reflect um, in, in Matthew's account, um, when, when Christ dies, um, from Matthew 27, 51, it says, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. And there's this picture of the Old Testament when access to God was only through the, through the high priest into the temple. But when, when, when Christ died for us, that symbolically, that tore, it physically actually tore into two pieces and gave us access into that, gave us access to God. So if you're here this morning, I just want to encourage you that, that that's been done for us. That's what the, the cross achieved for us this morning is access to God. You don't have to do anything. Christ has done that for you this morning. So no matter where you find yourself, keep going on that journey. Keep asking those questions. Keep pushing in. 
Christ is there and he's waiting there to answer for, for those questions.